Let's read Holy Scripture. The reading is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and brim over with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And the gospel reading is taken from uh, Luke chapter 5, first 11 verses. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to them. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Prayed, From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just bow our heads for a prayer. Lord, I pray that you would come by your spirit, that you would help me to speak, and that you would give us all ears 
to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the Lutheran pastor who opposed the Nazi regime in pre-war Germany, said that when Christ calls a person that is, we're thinking about becoming wholehearted followers of Jesus, was Bonhoeffer right? Does Jesus bid us come and die? Well, Bonhoeffer himself was tragically hanged by his Nazi persecutors just two weeks before the concentration camp where he was being held was liberated by Allied forces. And so he literally paid with his life for his strenuous opposition to the persecution and extermination of Jews in wartime Germany. But he didn't know that that was going to happen. What did he mean when he said that Christ bids us come and die? Well, I think this extraordinary encounter between Jesus and Simon Peter on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, or Lake Gennesaret, as Luke calls it in this instance, gives us more clues, if you like, about what it means to be wholehearted followers of Jesus and gives us a picture of what come and die might mean. And I want to tell you right up front that this is not bad news. Come and die might sound like bad news, but in reality, it's good news. What Jesus calls us to may be a kind of death, but it's a death that leads us to a total more exhilarating than the life we've lost. Does that sound good? Would you like to go there? Or would you at least like to do that? Truly, he'd had a bad night. He'd been out on the lake with some others. They'd fished all night and they'd caught nothing. And when we say fishing, this wasn't just a a casual fishing expedition. This was their business. This was in a boat with nets. They were professionals, but they caught nothing. So they pulled them on the shore, and they're washing their nets in the shallows. And just nearby, this new preacher called Jesus, who's getting a bit of a reputation, is teaching to a growing crowd on the side of the lake. This new celebrity who's made Capernaum his home. Because as well as healing a number of sick people in the town, Jesus has also cured Peter's mother-in-law in front of his eyes and cook for the disciples. Peter was impressed with that, I imagine. But what happened next was going to turn his life upside down. It started with a bit of resourcefulness on the part of Jesus. Um, You see, the crowd was growing and we can only assume that those at the back were having trouble hearing what Jesus... And so Jesus spots Peter's boat steps into it and asks him to push him out a little way onto the water. You see, alongside, along the, the, uh, the, uh, of the Sea of Galilee, n- near to Capernaum, there's a sequence of, of inlets. This is a photograph of one of them. And it kind of zigzags, and there are steep banks which form a natural amphitheatre, that inlet. And to this day, if you get in a boat and push out a little from the shore, you can talk in quite a normal, natural voice and be heard for hundreds of yards up on the the banks. On some Holy Land tours that take you to Capernaum, um, the guides will sometimes actually stop and demonstrate this phenomenon at this particular cove. This cove here is known as of the sower, presumably because Jesus told the parable of the sower there. But Jesus was simply and beautifully making use of the natural geography. 
Imagine, I think you'd be quite pleased that Jesus has requisitioned your boat. I think it probably lifted his spirits a bit after a fruitless night's toiling on the lake. And I think most of us, if Jesus asked us to make some of our resources available for him, especially if it didn't cost us too much, would have been like Peter, quite pleased to be able to help, speaking to the crown. Up until that moment, Jesus had simply asked a little help from him to assist with his teaching ministry. But now he's wanting to get involved in Peter's life, in his very life. Jesus, the carpenter-turned-preacher, is telling the professional fisherman that he knows more about fishing than Peter does. We can only guess at Peter's professionalism is being called into question. He might even be concerned that Jesus might appear stupid if they don't catch anything, and he certainly doesn't expect to. We'll never know, but at least first clue as we investigate what it means to be wholehearted followers of Jesus. The first thing we must do is to listen to Jesus. That your prayer hasn't been answered the way you wanted it to be. And maybe Jesus is asking you to go deeper with him. Maybe he's asking you to trust him in a new way, in a way you hardly dared consider. Maybe you're afraid that you'll lose face if you trust him that much. Or even afraid that you'll lose if you trust him that much. Is he calling you? And are you listening? Peter's answer begins from the point, we've been working hard all night and haven't caught anything. In other words, come on. We know what we're doing and the fish are not there. It's pointless. But as he speaks, something else is going on as well. I wonder if Peter's remembering the healings that he's seen and heard about. I wonder, is he remembering that moment when Jesus reached his hand out to Peter, her sickbed, instantly cured? Does he begin to doubt his own doubts? Does he realise he's speaking to someone who has the ear of heaven? But something tells him that he must do as Jesus asks, and so he says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. At that moment, Peter gives us our second clue as to how we might follow Jesus more wholeheartedly. Despite our rational objections and our common sense reasons for playing safe, we look to the person of Jesus and we say, because it's you who says so, I will do as you ask. So we listen to Jesus first of all. And then because it's Jesus, we put our trust in him. We take a step of faith. And that's what Peter did. And he netted the largest haul of fish, Korea. And in that moment, he encountered the awesome power of God. And he fell at the knees of Jesus as he asked the enormity of what he was witnessing. And that's the third step in this wholehearted following of Jesus. We listen to Jesus. Because of who he is, we obey him by putting our trust in him. And when we do that, and only when we do that, do we encounter the power of God in Jesus. He speaks and we listen. And he speaks through scripture, through prayer, through other people, through books that we read, through, yes, believe it or not, sermons, uh, ladies' mornings. And we need to be attentive 
to what he's saying. The second step is ours alone to make. Peter could have just refused outright. And we have to obey his call. No one can do it for us. We have to put our trust in Jesus. And the third step is God's sovereignly chooses to move in power as he did out on the lake that day. It reminds me of, of a year or so after I came to faith. And someone asked a group during that they were running. And someone spoke about how, as group leaders, it's not our job to try and persuade or convert anyone. We just act as hosts, Holy Spirit. I thought, well, if it's God's job and it's not mine, then I could take this small step of faith. I could have a go at leading a group. And you know what? Over the next 10 weeks, I just as God touched the lives of one person after another in the group, setting their faith on fire, seeing the joy in their faces, sometimes tears, and watching them being filled with To quote Paul the Apostle, it was immeasurably more than all I could ever have asked or imagined. And I knew it was nothing to do with me. I encountered the author and I was hooked. There was no turning back. When Peter saw the catch of fish, he knew he was in the presence of God. But Jesus still wasn't finished with Peter. He'd asked him to let him use his boat. He'd even demonstrated the supernatural power over Peter's home turf, the lake, place of Peter, and die. Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be working with me. No more fishing. You're leaving all that behind. You're going to be with me catching. James and John, they left everything to follow Jesus. They died to their old lives to follow Jesus. And do you know what's incredible? They had just for people who picked up lots of fish for supper that day. But they left it there because nothing was a substitute for being in the presence of God. There was no turning back. Where are we today? Where are you today? Are, are you a Peter, a James? Almighty God, and will you give up anything or everything to obey the call of Jesus on your life? Or perhaps, are you like some of those bystanders? You've heard and seen enough to know that something is going on. You've seen other people's lives changed and turned around, and maybe you wish yours was, or maybe you're perhaps rude. But Jesus doesn't want to leave anybody out. His call to Peter and the others that they should now help him in catching people came precisely in order as possible. People will think, there's something going on here. What is it about those people? Bonhoeffer was right. Jesus calls up. He does indeed demand our whole lives. He bids us come and die. But the beautiful perfect life-giving truth is that Jesus has all for us and Jesus hasn't done that in my life and but he has in fact we have this massive advantage over Peter James and John because we live in the light of the cross and the resurrection we know we can put our whole trust in Jesus because he's given his life for us when Peter realized who stood before him his own 
get away of the appalling thoughts that form in our minds from time to time, of the darkness which invades our hearts. But we know of the grace of Jesus when he took our sin on himself so that we don't have to. More than that, the extraordinary truth that we're actually declared righteous in God's sight because of the blood of Jesus. Isaiah, and the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. You can stand here together this morning in the light of, of, of the deaths of our friends John Godfrey and Annie Turnbull and say that as Christians we believe that they are with Jesus now. Knowing nothing but sheer and utter joy, bathing in God's love. Annie, bless her, she used to phone us so often at the vicarage and we'd, be, we'd pray with her over the phone and she'd tell Max about Jesus. John loved to remember Jesus in the bread and wine and so when he wasn't well enough to come to church, we'd, Kirsty and I'd go up. They were special times for all of us. But what amazing good news we have. And Simon Peter shows us the way to live that good news out in a world desperately in need of it. First, we have to listen to Jesus. And if you feel you need help with that, Kirsty is starting a mini Lent course on, the, on how we listen to God. It's in the notices in the back of the service sheet. If you'd like to join, do let Kirsty know and come along and learn more about Second, we have to do what he says. We have to trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding, as the writer of Proverbs said. And thirdly, having done the two things, we encounter the power of God who specialises in taking a little bit of faith, a small step of trust, and using them to transform the world around us. Isn't that what is it that Jesus is asking you to trust him with? And will you? Amen.